Welcome to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, with your host, Vanessa. On this podcast, we talk about who your coach is when the name tag comes off. What makes this coach tick? How did they get started? And what kept them going? What coach inspired them? Do they have any passions outside of coaching? And most importantly, what do they want their legacy to be? Tune in to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. Welcome back to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, Why Coaches Are Humans Too. On this podcast, we interview coaches across the nation to find out who they truly are and what makes them tick. And today we have on Cody from Folsom. Cody, are you originally from California? You know, I am not. I am originally from Reno, Nevada, and I came to California to join Lifetime, and because, like any good, you know, man, they follow a woman. So I'm sitting <laughs> down here following my fiance, and it's been a great decision. Wouldn't have changed anything. It's, there's always a story. There's always a woman in the story. Are y'all having uh, allergies, too, over there? Because I'm, like, struggling nonstop. Obviously, if you've heard my voice before and you listen to previous episodes, you can tell my voice is a little off today. <laughs> so I've just been sipping on a crap ton of, like, hot teas with peppermint and black licorice. Um, so you'll have to ignore the sipping if you hear it. <laughs> uh, totally. No, I would. Personally, I haven't had any allergy issues to deal with. I know my fiance; she has been dealing with allergies this entire winter, uh, and so I know that they're here, but luckily I haven't actually had to deal with them. So I feel for you because uh, I see it happening, but yeah. I, I, I don't relate. So. Yeah, I have no idea what like how the count goes, but Cedar is like at 5,000 or 50,000 or something insane, so everybody is like choking over here but that made me think about something super random like I hate hate hearing noises like amplified so I'm overly aware of how many sounds I'm making especially on here as we're recording right have you ever heard of ASMR I like I I legitimately hate the sound of chewing or like brushing teeth I cannot stand it have you ever heard of that ASMR yeah, no, absolutely. One of, yeah, one of the things that, you know, drives me up the wall and it's just like I'll hear it for the rest of the day is just typical, like, nails on a chalkboard. As soon as I hear that, <laughs> yeah. my entire spine is, yeah. like, on edge the rest of the day, See, for the, sure. The idea, the idea of ASMR, if you guys don't know what that is, it's like, it's, to my recognition, is recordings of noises that are soften like softly spoken and people like genuinely enjoy like smacking sipping opening of opening of bags like when I listen to even like even 30 seconds of something like that I get literal chills down my spine like I cannot I can't do it so anyway just thought it was so funny um yeah. Speaking of sounds, what's a song that you can't get enough of right now? Like, do you have a different taste of music when you're driving versus when you're working out? Definitely, yeah. I uh, So I, I wouldn't necessarily have a song I, I have just, like, a, I can't get enough of right now. But I would say 
there's an artist that I can't get enough of right now, and I can't get enough of 21 Pilots. I just oh. love what they do with their music. And, okay. um, you know, actually one of the cool things I got for Christmas uh, was a vinyl record Ooh. of 21 Pilots. Yeah, so I so we actually just moved, and so my, my, the record player actually isn't set up yet, but I can't wait to get that set up so I can actually play that and listen to them and, and get them going. But I love listening to them when I'm driving, and they've got just such a cool beat and rhythm to them, you know, and, and the tempo of their music, it's, it's got so much variety to it, so I can mm-hmm. pretty much listen to that one ever. But mm-hmm. my go-to, hands down, when I'm working out is Linkin Park. Mm, okay, yeah. I would say that if I had to put on anyone while I was working out, it would be hands down Drake. Like when Spotify came out with their little rundown, apparently I was like of 1% of listeners that just listened to him like nonstop, which is like kind of obsessive. (laughs) But, um, and then I guess if I'm driving, most of the times I'll listen to like some country for sure. Okay. Um, a little Chris Stapleton or some Lee Bryce. Like, they're just, they're just so, they have such good, like, soulful, powerful voices that I just, it's just nice at the end of your day to just either listen to nothing, quite frankly, <laughs> or listen to something pretty, like, easygoing. Um, yeah, absolutely. My, yeah, I'm just a little, like, hop in here, but my fiance loves Chris, Chris Stapleton. He actually oh. got to play uh, at the Toyota Amphitheater here uh, just outside of Sacramento. And we went and saw him live, no. and we just had the total nosebleed seats up in the, yeah. in the lawn, essentially. But it was such a fun concert, and yeah, he is a phenomenal artist, and he just has such a good voice. And so, like, you know, I've actually been listening to him quite a bit more, too. And, yeah. and even back into when he was uh, um, one of the vocalists for The Steel Driver. Yes, yes. Yeah, his voice is just is one of the most unique ones I've ever heard. And I have a particularly, you know, um, favorite ear for those types of voices, just the soul, the deep, like the just meaningful lyrics. And um, my parents actually were going to try to get me tickets to go see him. But it was like right on the verge of like when he was kind of like really breaking out. So the tickets just skyrocketed and it was like $300 a ticket in like a decent seat. Um, Dang. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's totally worth it. And I know that he went to Austin City Limits, I think, one year. And back when I was still listening to Pandora, he popped up on my, like, random playlist. And I was like, who is this? And then I, like, dove deep into him. And then that was like, gosh, that had to have been at least, like, a good five years ago. Um, Yeah, totally. But he's just blown up. So how did you get to working for Lifetime, like, and why did you choose this uh, coaching career path? I would love to hear about that. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I kind of highlighted it a little bit earlier when uh, you know you, you introduced me. But uh, there was uh, there was this girl, and <laughs> she's actually she's from this area. There's no lifetime where I'm from in Reno. And so when she moved back home, you know we'd already been seeing each other for a couple years, and so. Um, I was already working at a gym and like a physical therapy office and that was one of the things where I was just like, well, I 
definitely want to continue to see this girl. And so I made the leap. I applied for Lifetime. And it was kind of funny originally because I didn't actually intend to be a personal trainer for mm-hmm. Lifetime. Mm-hmm. I actually applied for a position as a triathlon coach uh, because that's one of the things that I do personally is just triathlon. And so when I applied and I got the interview and I'm talking to the PT manager, he was like, well, He's like, we're definitely going to have you as a triathlon coach, but he's like, I have to have you as a personal trainer, too. Like, you have to train clients. And I was like, okay. I mean, that's not, like, out of the question. Like, I can definitely do that. Um, and so I came over and started training clients. But, you know, to kind of backtrack and, and highlight why I chose this, um, from when I was a kid, I always had really big dreams. And I was like, you know what? I love sports, and it seems like all these athletes just get these really bad injuries. And so I was like, I'm going to make a big difference in people's lives, and I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon. Like, mm. that, was the, that was the career path I was on, and I was like, I'm going to do that. And they make good money, and they help all these athletes, and that's what I'm going to do. Mm. And so then... You know, fast forward into college, and uh, I was, you know, prepping for med school, and I was doing my shadowing, and so I shadowed an orthopedic surgeon. And, you know, we both walked into the room as, you know, with the patient, and he's like, okay, you know, this is what we're going to do on this, you know, me, we're going to do this, this, and this, Uh, you'll be on the table for maybe an hour, and then I'll see you in six months. And then he walked out, and like, that was it, like, no questions answered, nothing, it was so impersonal, and I was like, man. That is not the job for me because I just loved working with people. And so uh, I was like, okay, well, what's the next closest thing or the next thing down the line that would allow me to work with people, help them out, but still make a difference in people's lives? And so then I settled on physical therapy. And so I was getting ready for physical therapy school. And I was shadowing and I was doing the physical therapy assisting. And again, the one of the weird things I saw at physical therapy was that there were all these people that needed help and a lot of them were like not willing to get the help. And I think what it came down to was that they didn't really have skin in the game other than the fact that they were uncomfortable, they were in pain. And so, but because insurance was doing a lot of the payment for them, they just had no desire to like really put in the work. Yeah. You know? And so, um, so then, you know, I've been doing some personal training on the side, uh, with my old high school coach who gave me this job out of, you know, my first year of college when I came back home. And, um, so from there, I've been already doing all these training things, and so I was like, you know what? I really like doing this. I'm still able to use all of the skills that I've learned in terms of, you know, my degree in biology and kind of working towards the medical school route, my ideas and things that I've learned in physical therapy, assisting, but now I get to do it with people who have really big goals and they want to get something out of themselves and they want to change themselves, and so they just have this this you know inert drive to better themselves that just I didn't see anywhere else and so that really spoke to me and so that's ultimately how I ended up being a coach you know a strength training coach rather than a surgeon or even a physical therapist for that matter Mm -hmm. yeah I definitely think that um 
it's challenging being in that position, you know, because initially I thought I would go into, you know, um, something do with healthcare as well, just because my mom was in healthcare. Um, and I knew that I wanted to help people, but, um, and not to knock, you know, certain healthcare folks, um, you know, all the way from nurses and ER and there, there's still, you know, some plenty of people that genuinely care about connecting with individuals, but especially right now, I mean, I'm sure it is very hard to like stop and actually genuinely care to have a conversation and like spend some time taking care of individuals. Um, just because it's just, it's so rapid fire all the time. Um, but I'm, I'm so grateful to have moments in our career where we're able to connect and really change people's lives. And obviously I'm really grateful for this opportunity to connect with you and many other coaches. Um, and just because I have, you know, plenty of episodes out right now, I kind of want to hear your take on what's your favorite episode of Behind the Name Tag so far? Like, did you particularly connect with any of the episodes? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I definitely had the opportunity to kind of sit down and, and listen to a couple, especially while I was riding, you know, my bike inside and, and just getting a couple workouts in. But um, I think there was one with, uh, I think her name was Erin, and it was about her and, you know, her sort of life with Lyme disease. And that one really spoke to me on two fronts because I actually know people who have Lyme disease and I know kind of the, the toll it takes on them, how much energy it takes from them. And so for her to continue doing the thing that she loves and her passion for fitness, you know, overcoming that, she's more than her disease, you know, like the title says, I think that was just so phenomenal. And then at the same time, you know, I think it just relates to so many people outside of just her because everybody goes through things and it might be Lyme disease or it might be an accident or it might just be day-to-day life, but we're all stronger than that. We, you know, we all overcome those things. And so I think that one really spoke to me, uh, you know, on a, uh, on a deeper level just because of how I related to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's some of the most powerful moments is whenever we're sitting down with, members and a lot of them define themselves in moments that they can even recall back in like middle school, high school, even, you know, further than that down into their childhood. And they've let it be a very limiting belief. And it it's it's limited their their will to dream about a better and healthier life. Do you remember a moment where you were either yourself, like you kind of defined yourself and limited yourself to a belief and then you were able to overcome it or sitting down with someone that helped them kind of have that aha moment of like, no, you're more than, you know, you're, for instance, you're more than, you know, the, the weight on the scale or you're more than, you know, your alcoholism or your addiction or whatever, something like that. I mean, we obviously end up talking to people about some pretty deep subjects, but is there anything that you've helped with people overcome their limiting beliefs or you yourself? Absolutely, you know, and I, I think there's, you know, a really broad spectrum there, you know, and like, like you kind of highlighted, you know, you're more than the number on the scale or you're more than your disease or whatever. But one, <clears throat> one person that really comes to mind for me actually was actually one of the first clients I got when I was here in Folsom 
Um, and she was an aspiring collegiate runner. She'd already had this scholarship lined up um, to go to a, a university and run, but she was dealing with all these injuries. And, you know, you, you ask all these questions as a trainer, you're trying to figure out, well, is it due to your movement patterns? Is it due to your day-to-day activities? Is it just due to you doing too much? And, you know, we were peeling back the onion and we were finding, you know, these deeper layers, deeper layers, deeper layers. And, you know, finally the, the aha moment for both of us, you know, where, you know, it just showed her trust in me but again, you know, just my willingness to kind of, and again, just put her first and really care for her. Um, you know, it, it turns out that she was, she had a, a, you know, an eating disorder. She had this relationship with food that didn't allow her to recover from all this work she was building up to in order to reach her dreams. And she was so scared of being too heavy to run as fast as she needed to. She was so scared to put on too much muscle and not be as fast as she wanted to or needed to be mm-hmm. or, you know, overcome these things. And, you know, again, again, those deep conversations where sometimes we even had sessions where, you know, I was just like, hey, today we just need to talk about this because yeah. it, it means that much, you know? And so we had to really pull back and separate ourselves from what we were doing, you know, what she was doing. And so we really had to take that step back, you know, really dive deep into exactly what were the underlying reasons behind this and then just really trust in the process that it was going to work out the way that, you know, we had both planned it to. And it took, you know, maybe five to eight months before she went off to college and she was ready to run, but she was totally healthy and crazy enough her freshman year when she got into school, she was actually the top finishing freshman in the collegiate national 10K on the track. Wow, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, it takes it takes a lot of introspection and awareness and it's so challenging to mirror yourself and look at the, the, the things that are really limiting your life. And I feel like a lot of why I'm kind of in touch with certain things or or why I can also give people perspective is because quite frankly I'm mostly introverted as a person. <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. I'm only extroverted when needed when I know that I need to create the energy in the room or the class or the the session or anything like that. But for the most part I've also like everyone that I've interviewed on here has also claimed to be an introvert and to you know to love introspection. Do you also think that you're an introvert as well? And what's your opinion on why there are so many introverts in our profession when quite a lot of our job is related to approaching and being around people? You know, that, that's a great question. And I would say I, I probably mirror you really well in terms of I when I go home, I'm at home and I am an introvert, you know, absolutely 100%. You know, I go home and, you know, I'd rather sit down and and kind of be in silence rather than, you know, have a bunch of people over or go out to the party or anything like that. But I would, you know, again, I I think for you and me, I think we would 
describe it as being an introverted extrovert, right? And so yeah. we have to be, you know, when we're at work, you know, we're, we're kind of on stage. And so, you know, we're putting on a performance in terms of, you know, selling ourselves in terms of, you know, making people enjoy their session and enjoy their time. And I think, I think the reason that so many people in our profession are that way, introverted, sort of outside of their daily work, but extroverted when they get here, uh, is because of, A, the introspection it takes. I think we relate to people on a deeper level because we understand how we feel mm-hmm. about certain things. Mm-hmm. And so when, so we, we're, we're constantly asking ourselves, well, you know, well, why, you know, so why did we feel that way? Why did we do what we did? Right. And so we're constantly asking ourselves and being introspective. And I think that gives you an insight into how other people feel as well. And yeah. so I think you relate to other people on, <clears throat> a deeper level and so I think that allows us to be very empathetic Mm -hmm. and allows us to really connect to people and find out what they want to get out of themselves but also help them through their challenges because you know we've kind of almost I wouldn't say mastered it for ourselves because Mm -hmm. I think everybody needs a little bit of help with that but I think we have a better understanding of what we need and so we have the ability to help others see what they need. Yeah, I think that that's so that's so beautifully put because I've always racked my brain for trying to understand why I could have a class of anywhere from 8 to 15 to 50 and you put me out there with a mic and it's like my stage, like I'm owning it, I'm loving it, I'm living it and then you put me by myself and you got an open floor hour and you want me to go walk up to somebody and stop their workout and ask them anything I'm like no like I'm like terrified like I because I you know I know what it means to have your own time to like protect your space to sometimes it means a lot to get out on the floor and put yourself through a workout and a lot of people are very self-conscious about what they're doing so to have someone that's dressed in all black with a radio to their head and approaching you with confidence and like, great, what am I doing wrong? I feel like pops into someone's head immediately or here I'm about to get interrupted. And I understand that's not always the case and people are, you know, they appreciate our help. But it is something that I, I, I don't have a fear of public speaking. <laughs> I have a problem yeah. like approaching, but... What what is one thing that you're terrified to do, but maybe ended up like being a blessing in disguise? Can you remember something that happened to you in your lifetime like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, to highlight something that you said before I answer your question is mm-hmm. that you know, especially like right now, you know, you see somebody in all black, you know, again with the, <laughs> the headset on and the, and and the walkie on their hip and. You know, they're like, oh, man, COVID times, yep. you know, yes. I, I don't need another person coming up and talking to me, 100%. And so uh, I, I totally relate to that, especially out here in California. I mean, I oh, think yeah. one of the, Y'all got know, it one worse. Of the stricter states, for mm-hmm. sure, in terms of, like, adhering to masks and stuff. And, I mean, we're still... Here, out, here in Folsom outside training people because we're not allowed to be inside. Um, yeah. So that's been, that's been crazy. But, uh, you know, to answer your question about, you know, one thing that, that, that you know, I was terrified to do, but 
was a total blessing, um, was actually going away to college. Um, and so I vividly remember, you know, trying to make the decision on whether or not I was going to stay home or if I was going to travel away. And one of my dreams was to be a professional athlete of some kind or sort. Uh, you know, when I was super young, it was, oh, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be an Olympic professional gymnast. And then it transitioned into, oh, well, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. And then it was, oh, I'm going to be an NBA player. And then I was like, well, I don't have the height to do that. So <laughs> I, I found endurance sports. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to run track and field. And so one of the schools that had reached out to me to, uh, to recruit me was Boise State. And so I had the opportunity to go join this team and, and run for the team. Um, and I had the decision of whether or not I was going to go and I was going to be away from my family and everybody that I knew for pretty much nine months out of the year or to stay home. And, uh, you know, I, I loved being where I was. And so I was, I was, I was scared to go. I, I didn't, it was unknown to me. It was, you know, an uncertain future. And one of the things my mom, you know, I remember her sitting me down and be like, this is your one shot to do this. And so, you know, you're not going to be, you're, you're going to regret it if you don't go. And so, you know, I packed up my bags. I remember packing my, my super old beat up 19, like 95 Corolla, like to the brim with everything (laughs) I was going to take and just driving away. Um, and that was emotional and it was, and it was really scary, but I think, you know, in the end, in terms of my development as a person and as, you know, just a, a human being and, you know, what, and well, pretty much eventually I think has pushed me down this entire path that has led me to be here, uh, was that one decision. I don't think if I would have stayed home, I don't think I would have been, sitting in the chair I am right now talking to you doing what I love. Right. Uh, you know, and so it was a total butterfly effect, but, you know, because when I went away to school, um, I was running for the cross country and the track team, and the coach that recruited me ended up getting replaced by a different coach who had no idea who I was and, frankly speaking, like, didn't really care about me. And so I was just another number. And so he pushed my mileage and I ended up getting injured. And so I had two stress fractures in the span of nine months being at university. And so I was like, man, I, and I got cut from the team. And so I was like, man, I I can't keep staying here. You know, the whole reason I came here was to run. And if I'm not going to be able to run, like there's no point in me being here. And so then I went back home, which led me into my personal training job when I came home, which ultimately has kind of pushed me to being uh, here at Lifetime working as a trainer. And so it's funny how the world works and kind of manipulates things and pushes you into the places you're supposed to be, but uh, it it has all worked out in the end for sure. Yeah, it sounds like, and I remember when we previously spoke, you know, you've, you've worked very hard even as a younger child, like you were putting in 24 to 25 hours a week just to become a gymnast. That's cor- is that correct? Yeah, that, well, as that a thir- is correct. Yeah. 13, 14 year old. So, wh- I mean, in all of your, I-, I would love to hear a little bit more of that as well. Like, I want to hear kind of like your journey as a as an athlete because I know it's very deep. Um, but also, I would just love to also hear like something that you are 
what is like the most proud moment that you've had in your life so far? Um, whether it be like something, an achievement sake, or that you just trusted your intuition and your gut and you went with it and you're like, wow, like I really am proud of the man that I've become. I would love to hear kind of like all around that piece. Yeah, so with my athletic endeavors, it started really young. My my mom and my dad put me into gymnastics, sort of like the little kids tots class when I was like three years old. And my sister was a gymnast before me, and so I was doing that, and uh, I was really good at it. I, you know, I had you know, there's all this little coordination and stuff, and so I, uh, so I was like five and a half years old at this point, and they were like, I think we should have you on the competition team, like the the gym owners that we were working with. You know, they came up and they're like, I think Cody should be on the competition team and like actually compete and like travel to these different meets, and so. Um, I joined the competition team and I was competing and uh, I did that from the time I was like five and a half all the way up until I was like 13, 14. Um, and yeah, like you said, I was, I was doing 20 to 25 hours a week in the gym, you know, four to five hours every time I went in. And, uh, you know, it was a sport that I loved and I still do love. Like I love watching it at the Olympics and everything, but as a 13 year old, I was like, man, this is now a job and I wanted to do other things. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, during my gymnastics time, my coaches always got mad at me because I was playing baseball and I was playing basketball and I had, you know, games or whatever that I was participating in and it conflicted with practice at the gym. And so I didn't go to the gym those days and they always got really frustrated with that. But I, I wouldn't trade my experience as a gymnast, you know, for anything in terms of like my athletic development because all of the the strength and the hand-eye coordination and just the body awareness i mean it, it made me a big you know it's, it's one of the biggest reasons i'm the athlete that i am today in terms of what i now do uh, and so then when i got into high school you know like i said i wanted to do other things and so i joined the track team and you know i originally i was like yeah i'm gonna run the 100 meters you know just like every other freshman who runs you know, gets into high school they're like yeah i'm gonna do i'm gonna do the 100 meters and and my head coach was like absolutely not you're gonna run the 800 and so if you've ever run an all-out 800 it's up there is one of the worst events you can run i can <laughs> only imagine so i was the 100 painful. meter so yeah it's so painful and so but i was really good at that so you know i ran the 800 i ended up moving up and specializing kind of in the mile in high school uh in high school i ran a, a personal best in the mile of four minutes and 23 seconds Jeez. um and that's what allowed me to kind of get a walk-on spot at boise state and then like i said i went through those couple uh you know injuries in the span of nine months and so then I ended up picking up a bike and picking up, you know, the pool and, and teaching myself how to technically swim through YouTube because I was water safe, but I wasn't like a competitive swimmer by any means. Like I could save myself from drowning, right. but if you asked me <laughs> yeah. to swim like a mile, I was like, no friggin' way. So I ended up swimming and getting a bike. And then I did my first triathlon later that summer when I came home and I was hooked. I mean, I, I, I just loved it. It was so much it was refreshing after running for 
you know, seven years or whatever, you know, from sixth grade all the way through my senior year of high school and my freshman year of college, mm-hmm. to have this new activity to do. I was riding, I was swimming, I had to run that was still close to my heart, and I just loved the variation and the variety. And so, you know, that was in the summer of uh, 2014 was my first triathlon. And, uh, not this last year, but because of COVID, but in 2019 at the very end of the year, I'd actually keep, uh, it all culminated into like my first initial really big goal, which was to become a professional. And so I got my professional athlete license for triathlon at the, uh, the Santa Cruz, uh, 70.3 half Ironman. And, uh, so I mean, it, it all works out for a reason. Like I said earlier, I don't think I would have been here without making that decision to go to Boise State. But it's all been so great, and I love the sports that I do, and it, and it really it reflects, you know, in my, in, you know, my training because not only my own personal training, but me training my clients because, you know, I'm keeping up with all of my healthy way of life, and so they see that, and they're like, oh man, I can do that too. Yeah, it sounds like you have a very strong, you know, perseverance kind of attitude. Like you just kind of see a challenge and then you overcome it. Is that, is there ever a moment in your life where you don't, you did not feel like you were going to get past something? Like, did you ever hit a wall at some point and then you needed to ask for help? Or I would love to hear about kind of like a a moment where you had a really, really hard time, like at a kind of a pivotal moment. Yeah, I, w- I would say they're few and far between, um, mainly because I think that's my personality. I, I'm like, uh, I think I can figure this out on my own, but uh, there are definitely a few that come to mind. Uh, like I said you know, earlier in terms of asking my mom about like my decision to go away to college or stay home and being scared about that. That was something that I, you know, I, I asked, you know, I had, I needed help and, you know, I asked for it and, and it was because, you know, I, I just, I didn't know what was out there, you know, and that was scary, the unknown. And so, but other than that, I would also say, um, <laughs> funny, funny, funny enough would be meeting my fiance. You know, I, I met her actually while we were going to school at the University of Nevada, Reno. And, uh, you know, we were swimming together because she's in a, a phenomenal swimmer. She, uh, junior college All-American in the mile. And so, and then I was, like I said, I just taught myself pretty much how to swim through YouTube. And so mm-hmm. she just kicked my butt in the water. And I thought, you know, I was like, man, I really like this girl. And so, but <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know how to approach this at all. And so I, that was actually <laughs> one thing where I actually, again, I, th- I think my mom is, is hands down the person that I go to with all these questions about, you know, what, what do I, what should I even do it in this moment? Because, um, I think you should always lean on somebody who has a little bit more experience than you, right, right. <laughs> you know, whether or not they've made mistakes that they regret or whether they made mistakes and they just laugh at them now. But it's like, I think if, if I can avoid as many mistakes as possible, I think I'll lead a happier life as well. And so that was another moment where, again, I had to kind of sit down and be like, you know, I don't, I, I, I think in the back of my mind, from the moment I saw her, I knew she was the one. And so 
it was a moment where I was like, man, I really can't mess this up. What do I do? And like I said, you know, from the, yeah, yeah, put good people in your corner and, you know, you ask the right questions and, you know, things tend to tend to work out. And so, um, you know, like I said, we're still together and, you know, we, uh, we actually uh, just got engaged last summer during the quarantine actually on 4th of July. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, I kind of have to stop you there and I want to hear about the proposal. How did you propose to her? Okay, so it was actually kind of, it was interesting because originally, <laughs> pre-pandemic starting, pre-shutdowns, we had this trip to Hawaii planned. And I was like, man, that would be the perfect place, right? I mean, just beautiful place and, you know, this big trip and it would kind of hide some of the the, suspe- the suspicion about what I was kind of doing already. And so... I was like, yeah, that's going to be the time. And so during quarantine, I, I bought the ring. I had it shipped to the house because I couldn't go anywhere. And, you know, I had to make sure that she was out of the house that day. So that way she didn't pick up the mail and, <laughs> and pick up the ring. And so I ended up getting that. And our trip ended up getting canceled. So then I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? And, um, one of the things that she has wanted to do, one thing that we did previously was we had photos taken and she wanted to do that again. And so my sister's actually a professional wedding photographer. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, and like couple shoot photographer, family photos. And so I was like, hey, are you going to be down <laughs> for 4th of July? And she was like, yeah. I was like, well, we would love to do a photo shoot. Um, and I told I obviously put her in on the on the plan. I was like, I'm gonna propose. Um, and so she's like, Oh yes, I'm totally down for that. Like, just name the place. And so um, one of her name is Gabby. Gabby is my fiance. It's one of her favorite places here in the in the greater Sacramento area uh, is Coloma. Uh, and Coloma is actually the location where gold was originally found when the miners came over searching for it into California. And so it's got all this history behind it, and it's still got, like, these houses that are from that time. They've been kind of, you know, renovated and, you know, made sure that they, they stay standing. But we took our pictures there. And, uh, you know, so we go through the, the photos, and, and funny enough, she kind of changed. She had this, like, outfit change, and, and so I had the ring in my pocket at that point. And, you know, we took a couple more photos, and then we end up getting to the spot, and, you know, we're getting ready. To, you know, I start saying, you know, all these things about, well, this is what this was, this is what this year was supposed to look like. And, you know, we don't have that, but, you know, we have each other. And so it was a beautiful moment, and I, I wouldn't change it for the world, you know, and again, like I said, you know, I've been saying it's like it all tends to work out one way or another, yeah. and you know, it, it was great. Oh, I, well, I live for romance, so I love the the stories. I love the love stories. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and you sound very passionate about this woman. So shout her out. Tell me her name again one more time. 
Yeah, so her name is uh, Gabby. It's short for Gabrielle. Uh, everybody likes to say Gabriella, but uh-huh. it's not. It's Gabrielle, <laughs> and um, and uh, she's amazing. I mean, all, oh. all the person I am today would not be the same if I had not met her. I mean, she's made me more compassionate and more understanding and, and more flexible oh. and just a, just a better person all yeah. around. And so, yeah, I mean, she's a. Uh, She's my 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 person, and oh. I couldn't imagine my life without her. Well, shout out, Gabby. You have a good man, it sounds like. Uh, he's very passionate about you. So speaking about passion, besides Gabby, what are you passionate about right now? Is there anything that you are working towards, like a, a particular achievement that you're looking to, to achieve right now? Yeah, so... A big goal of mine, and it, it, it's going to be a multi-year goal, is going to be, uh, you know, participate in the Kona Ironman and be a, a successful professional triathlete, and then even in the next three years, try and qualify for uh, the Olympics, which are going to be in Paris in 2024. So that, those are my goals right now uh, in terms of my own athletic endeavors. And so that's where, uh, that's where a lot of my time gets spent right now. And, and again, talking about uh, you know, the people in your life, again, I wouldn't be able to do these things if I didn't have uh, Gabby because she's so understanding about the, the, the time it takes and the attention. And, um, you know, and I, you know, I, I thank her for that tremendously. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. So something that I really love, and I, you know, like you were saying, you love um, records. I love old books, old poems, um, obviously podcasts. Um, And one thing that I love to write down are just like little statements that always stick out that I love to live by. So there's this piece of the podcast where I like to ask, what are three truths you know to be true? And what is, a, what is one point in your life that you learned it or applied one of the truths? Yeah, that's, oh, that's such a great question. Um, I would say the three things that, you know, I have known to be true my entire life, you know, number one is that, uh, you know, if you put the work in, you're going to get the reward back. You know, it doesn't matter if you're in your job, your athletic endeavors, you're trying to start a business, uh, you want to get better at something, you put the time in and you're going to get better at it. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, the second thing, you know, hands down would be uh, better, better people make a better world, you know, and I think that's something we can all strive to do, especially now, especially at, when we go through you know, 2020, the way that it was, and, and, you know, this last election cycle and things like that. It's like, I think we should all just strive to just be better people, and whether that be better to ourselves or better to other people or, you know, just be overall more compassionate and empathetic. I think, you know, better people make a better world. And then the last thing would be, you know, there is, your athletic endeavors will, will, will always be changing, but the one thing that you should never stop doing is learning. And mm-hmm. I think that is one thing that I think too many people just give up, especially as they get older, they yes. get into the rhythm of life, and they forget all these cool things that are out there. And so um, 
one of the things that I do like on a daily basis is watch YouTube and it might be a YouTube video about running shoes or it might be about triathlon training or one of the things that Gabby hates that I do is I watch other people ride their bike while I ride my bike inside. (laughs) Okay. um, And so, um, but one of the other things that I love watching on YouTube because it's just such a, you know, wealth of knowledge and information is learning more about science and learning about, you know, these other things in life. And so, like, the other day I was watching a video, um, the the YouTube channel uh, is is called It's Okay to Be Smart, and they were talking about, um, you know, why we cry or, you know, they were talking about, you know, well, why are we ticklish? You know, it's just little (laughs) things where it's like, like, I never really thought of that. Mm. And, you know, they kind of dive into the questions behind it. And and something that I wish that I think if I had the time to do it, Mm. I would hands down be a forever student. Yeah. If I had the time, the money, and I didn't have anything else to worry about, I would go back to school and I would have like 20 degrees. Yeah. Because I just love learning that much. Yeah, I definitely think something that I cannot get enough of right now is just uh, like general psychology. And one of the one of my favorite quotes is just to stay curious and to be more childlike yeah. in, in nature because children have this innate nature to just ask, well, why? Well, but why is that the way it is? And they have this boundless imagination that is just unfathomable as an adult because you just kind of end up boxing yourself. And I think a lot of people, too, would be super surprised at how young you are. Because to me, like the the achievements that you've that you've done and and the way that you carry and you hold yourself in conversation, I mean, you you sound you you are very mature. Um, so how young how young are you? Well, thank you first and foremost. Uh, <laughs> I'm 25. Yeah, I'm 25, yeah. and so that is that's definitely something that has been almost of a challenge in terms of my professional career. Yep. Um, you know, walking into the building and, you know, going up to somebody and trying to convince them of what I know uh, and how I can help them is challenging when they look at you and they're like, well, A, you don't have a bunch of letters behind your name because you don't have a medical degree, and B, like how much more uh, would you know than I know considering you're only 25? Right. And so, you know, people have this false assumption that they either know more or know better or whatever it may be. And so that's, it, it, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a challenge to have somebody change that opinion based on their first initial impression of, of my age. And um, Gabby, I'll bring her back up, she, she almost has it even worse because she's young and she's not exactly an imposing big person. Like she's four foot ten, you yeah, know. And so, yeah. you know, I think that's something that, especially in today's day and age, just younger individuals have a hard time with because the older generation. And I think this is just standard across the board. It doesn't matter what era you've ever lived in. They always know they've experienced more, right? And so they assume right. that they know more, right? And so, but. If you kind of take a look back and you say, okay, well, my degree was, you know, a four-year degree, and then I've had 
seven, eight years of experience in this field every single day, you know, eight hours, 10 hours, you know, a day, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And then on top of that, my training, it's like, those hours accumulate so quickly and it's like mm-hmm. you you can't compare your, you know, one month of YouTube escapades mm-hmm. to the 10 years of 40 hours a week that I've put in on this one particular subject. Right. And so that's something that, uh, you know, is, is, a, is a bit of a challenge, but it's almost kind of a satisfying challenge, especially when the tune kind of changes and they're mm-hmm. like, they start asking questions and they, they're trying to dive a little bit deeper and see, you know, what more they can get out of the, the situation because now they're starting to realize, uh, wow, maybe, you know, maybe I don't know as much as I thought I did. Mm-hmm. I think that's always sad when someone would limit themselves to an interaction or a perspective just purely because either they think that they are better than, older than, more experienced than, whatever you want to say. Um, I just think it's so interesting that people would limit conversations because I feel like you can learn from anyone. Like that's one of my most favorite um books is is they talk about the growth mindset and they talk about the rookie mindset and they talk about what what you can learn from being a rookie and actually I've been talking to it's funny that we bring this up now because I was talking about how a lot of our teams are losing a lot of veteran trainers because a lot of people are going independent and so something that I thrive on is mentorship and luckily enough um I've been able to be granted this opportunity with the podcast, so I'm getting to speak to people like you and, you know, Stanko and Jamie and Aaron and Nick and, like, all of the people that I've been able to interview, I've been learning from. And it's been really, really nice because, like you said, like, I'm a forever student. Like, I, I, I love picking people's brains. I want to know all of the things that you know, and then I want to think about them some more. Like, <laughs> like it's just, yeah. it's just, it's very intriguing to me. And so... Something that I want to ask you is if you had to give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? But also, if you had to give a piece of advice and to your older self, like kind of flip that perspective if you can. And if you were sitting in front of your older self and kind of like if you had to project it out, what would one thing that you would be saying to your older self be? It doesn't even have to be advice. It could be I'm grateful for or I'm proud of you for doing blank. But I just think that that's kind of an interesting question. I can definitely say I've never been asked it that way. So that's a really cool thought. But if I had to give one thing, piece of advice to my younger self, it would be don't overthink things. Yeah. (laughs) And as a type A person and as somebody who my mom will attest puts spreadsheets to everything, (laughs) um, yeah, it's hard. (laughs) You know, I would say 95 to 98% of the time, like, your gut feeling is the one you should go with. Yeah. You know, and so... It doesn't, it doesn't need to be something that's just so overdrawn and just like, oh, well, if I do this, then what about this? And if I do that, well, then what about that? It, you know, just like, you know, take the moment, think about it, don't overthink it, and just go do it, you know? And, and so I think that's something that I've really had, a, you know, a tough time learning, especially as a kid that I, I'm still working with every single day. 
and I've definitely gotten better at it, but that's definitely something I would tell my younger self. And then if I were to tell my older self something, I think I think I would have to tell tell my older self that I'm proud for being I'm proud of like I'm proud of myself for being firm. And and what I mean by that is being firm in who I am, being firm in my relationships with others and being firm to my promises and being firm in terms of just who who I want others to see me as and and the person I want to be. And so I think that, again, kind of going back to the three truths that, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, again, just better people make better a better world. And so uh, that's something that I strive to do every single day is just be a better person, whether that's for myself or for others. And so, but I think in order to do that, you have to be firm in the things that you believe, and especially in yourself. Yeah, I think that's such an it's such an interesting perspective because, like you said, like I'm I'm a I'm a forward thinker, so I have a really hard time being present because I'm either reevaluating what just happened in the past or I'm projecting in the future to how I could become better. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's a constant flipping flopping of not actually holding space in the one time period that I can control, which is is funny to me. But I do believe wholeheartedly in, in manifesting your future and in a spiritual sense. So I think it is an interesting perspective to put yourself in and say, maybe have a conversation in either you know your journal or in the mirror or however you like to have it but being able to look at who do you want your future self to become and then and then acknowledge it as if it had already happened so if there are achievements if there are things that you are not quite yet as a person but you want to become and you want to be i always thought that that was it's different than say affirmations it's more of it's more of just if you want it to be you shall will it to be so I always thought that that was kind of an interesting um perspective and speaking of that kind of take um a long long time from now when you are bound to leave this earth what do you want your legacy to be like what do you want to be remembered for you know that that's a that's a great question as well because one of the activities when I was coaching back in Reno, we would ask our athletes to kind of think about as well was you know exactly this like what do you want to be remembered for and um, the way we described it kind of how you kind of highlighted it was like okay if you were to not be here anymore and the people you touched throughout your life were to say a few words. What what are the words that they're gonna say? What are like the key phrases that they're gonna say? And, um, you know, I think for me, that legacy would be, you know, you know, speaking in the third person, you know, Cody, Cody was a, a great friend and a, and a great person. You know, he strove every day to be, better and to help anybody he came in contact with, whatever it might have been, big or small. And 
you know, Cody wanted to be a a light and somebody who could lead other people towards the things that they wanted. And it doesn't matter if it were, you know, just uh, you know something that they wanted then in the moment, whether it be like something to eat or if it were something so big and so grand that like they needed a hand to to hold to say, you got this. And I, that's what I wanted. I want to be remembered for is that again, like I was uncompromising in who I was as a person, uh, but all of it in the pursuit of being better and being better for other people. I love that. And that I'm sure that a lot of people connect with that and resonate with that because people in our profession usually have that resounding belief. It's just, we're here to serve others. Cody, I appreciate, I told you, man, it was going to fly by. I appreciate your time so, so much. It's been a pleasure to get to know you on a much deeper level. I'm sure people will enjoy this um, episode for sure. How can we connect with you um, on social? Do you have a social that you would like to talk about? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll forward it by saying I'm terrible at social media, but I do have it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so uh, maybe this will be the Kickstarter for me being a lot better at it. And so <laughs> if anybody has any questions or they want to get to know me a little bit better or they want to shoot you know, some ideas about training and, and kind of want to have that conversation, uh, Instagram is by far the most used social media platform I use. Okay. Uh, and so my handle is the letter C, the number four, triathlon. Perfect. And so, yep, so the letter C, the number four, triathlon. You'll find me on Instagram. Uh, I will, uh, like I said, maybe this will be the Kickstarter for me to actually put some time into it and, uh, you know, keep people updated in what I'm doing. Perfect. Well, Cody, is there any other things that you want to say before we leave today? Uh, the only thing that I would like to, to leave off with is, you know, just highlighting, you know, kind of the, the title of the, the podcast, you know, uh, more than a coach and, you know, why we're human too is like, we all have a, a story. And I think those stories right now are more important than ever. And mm-hmm. so let your story be known, mm-hmm. let people know what you're going through let people know where you're coming from. And I think, you know, as long as we can have an open dialogue about, you know, why we feel the way that we do and understand why others feel the way that they do, uh, again, we can all be better people and uh, we can all get over, you know, through this challenging time together and be better people for it. So I love that message and I would encourage everyone just like Cody and I had today, just have those deeper conversations, those meaningful conversations. It doesn't have to be long, but be truly present and listen to somebody. Um, It really does go a long way. Thank you for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, where coaches are humans too. I appreciate every human and their journey, and I hope to continue to connect and shed light on how uniquely beautiful we all are. Our differences are what make us unique, but it's our humanity that brings us together. Stay healthy, my friends. This is your host, Vanessa, signing out.
Thank you so much again for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are broadcasting on anywhere you can find other podcasts like Apple, Spotify, and of course, Anchor, where we're recording this podcast now. If you really loved it, which I'm sure you did, we would appreciate a five-star review and a share with all of your friends. Until next time, this is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Stay healthy, my friends.